Hello and welcome back everyone to the next interview on Burn Your Boats with me, your host, Matthew Lestalia. Today, I have Mario Fitzgerald Fox on the show. We go back years from right when I first joined the Army. Um, he was already in the unit that I joined. We were both in uh, short-range air defense. And it was it was an experience, but uh, there, there was definitely some brotherhood there. And um, our pads deviated and, and he switched and ended up going a, a different track and so did I and so we kind of lost we lost touch and lost base for a little bit but we ended up reconnecting way later um, as we both found ourselves in the uh, Virginia area and the the things that happened to him in his life were dramatic and he had a lot of obstacles to overcome and I mean, I'm not gonna, I'll, I'll let him get into that here in just a little bit, but um, he really does epitomize what it means to have that entrepreneurial spirit and to really step up, especially in the face of adversity and to not look at yourself as a victim, but to own your mistakes and to push through it and to find success beyond anything that you could have imagined before. Absolutely amazing interview and I'm so happy and honored to be able to have had Mario on the show, so without any further delay, here is Mario Fox. One of the, a huge reason why I wanted to talk to you specifically, um, obviously like you went entrepreneurial route with, uh, within like the real estate uh, kind of business and you'll have to, you'll have to get me up to speed on the difference between realtors and real estate agents. I, I know that there's a difference and I know that it matters. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> really, it's not just that, but part of what, like a big focus of why I started doing this really revolved around people's transitions from something that's a little bit more steady and normal to something that is as inherently more risk when you look at it from the outside. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you were and then it's like 10 I feel like it's tenfold for people in government jobs and especially people in the military because you and I that's how we met was when we worked together at our first duty station or it was my first duty station you had been around right. a while right. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. So. and uh and making that transition is it's so difficult I mean one in yourself you have to overcome the fears and doubts that you have of making the transition of getting out of the military mm -hmm. and then going and not even just going and working in the private sector, but like running your own thing and, and being a lot more autonomous than the military allows you. But even the ex like all of the external factors while you're in, it's like everybody else's indoctrination. It gets pinned on you as you're trying to leave and do your thing. Like, Oh, you're going to try and do that. Good luck. Like, we'll see you back in here in a little bit. Did you deal with any of that? Like as you were transitioning out? So my situation and, 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 and I'll share it with you because I've shared it with a lot of people now. My situation was totally different than somebody that had the opportunity to transition from the military to being a civilian. I didn't really get that luxury as I was forced out. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's, it's a backed into a corner kind of thing where, you, okay, now that I, you, and that's, that's almost even worse because the planning aspect of it, like I did, I had no intention yeah. of, of doing this and, and we had worked together in uh, air defense and then you had transitioned to a yeah. different form of artillery in the army and, 
and it seemed like you were doing really good things. So how, what? I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you, don't, you don't need to go into the details of why you got kicked out if you don't want to. Uh, if you do, that's fine. But I'm, I'm really interested in like your mindset, like when it happened, like mm-hmm. what, what process, what mental processes did you go through during that? So I've always kind of been a person where, man, it, it, it takes a lot for me to just like, can we cut us? No, oh, yeah, yeah. It takes a lot for me to fucking give up, right? Um, I mean, you would damn have to kill me. But that situation, like you said, it kind of, it, it, it did back me into a corner. Yeah. Uh, I'm very, very fortunate that I had the leadership that I did because they were able to kind of negotiate a deal for me that I really couldn't uh, um, refuse, to be honest with you. I, I just, I mean, it was a superb fucking deal for the situation that I was in. It was like no brain. Uh, court martial just didn't make sense to me. I'm like, okay, listen, where do I sign it? I'll take that deal all day. Um, so at that point, when I kind of when I knew that I wasn't going to be able to stay in the military, um, my mindset at that point was like, okay, what's the next thing? Like, what are you going to do now? Because you, I mean, you got a kid right now. I only had I had one kid at the time, my daughter. I, mean, I still got a daughter, but at that time, all, I really needed to focus on. All right, what are you going to do, bro? Like, you're going to be gone in the next couple of days. Uh, I think I only got 10 days to fucking go to CIF, turn my shit back in, and have all my shit cleared and out of the army. So in 10 days, I had to fucking figure out, like, what are you going to do, guy? So the first thing I did, and 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 I know the other veterans are going to hear this. I want to I wanna give, like, the truth, the facts. The first thing I did was I signed up for unemployment. Um man, I was making $600 a week on unemployment. Wow. Yes, dude. And it, was, and it was perfect because I didn't miss a beat, right? I didn't go from not having a paycheck to having to figure it out next month to the next month to the next month. I went right into making money so I can continue to pay those bills that I had yeah. to my daughter. Um, and I also got a once that, that was over, I went back to school, first of all, was, the, was one of the first things I did. So when I knew that I was getting out, I automatically started talking to uh, the VA about going back to school. Uh, I was going to, what was it, Fairville Tech, I think? Okay. Yeah, yep. I went back to school for architecture because they provided an architecture school. I was going to architecture. I was, in archi- I was majoring in architecture before I came into the Army. Okay. I wanted to go back into that. So I went back into that for school and started getting that VA money as well, which is perfect because in that deal that I got, I kept all of my benefits. All the benefits. So um, were you, you were able to use the GI Bill? And to uh, they use the GI Bill. Oh, my gosh. Perfect. extra income, too, per month where you yes. can actually kind of stabilize and get yourself back on your feet. Because I knew eventually the, 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 the unemployment was going to run out. So I had to have another plan when the unemployment ran out. I had to have some money coming in as well from, uh, from school. So I went back to school, man. Um, I didn't stay too much longer. I met my wife. Uh, I met my wife in North Carolina. She's in the Army as well. She's actually a paralegal, which is funny because I wish I knew her a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they laying a dollar short, babe. Where are you at? Right. <laughs> where, where, where was you at? <laughs> but she even told me, too. She's like, hey, you, like, you're a person that wouldn't look out for me because you could have got way shittier into this thing. Yeah. 
Um, so it was just fortunate, and it was God, to be honest with you, to put me in those positions. And I also kind of looked at it like, man, at that point, man, air defense kind of wore me out because we were jumping all the time. The stuff that we were doing at air defense, when I got the 82nd, those guys were like, dude, they saw my jump log. They were like, I did the same thing. I made the same transition when I went into Intel. And then I went into the directly into the 82nd. I showed uh-huh. up and I was like, I was like, all right, where are the jumps? And they're like, oh, we'll let you know in the, in the next couple of months when one comes. Right. And I was right. like, what do you mean? We're like, we were used to jumping. I mean, three jumps in a week would not be an unusual week for us. And 82nd, man, them dudes really, depending on the unit that you're in, they really only jump just to, just to keep getting paid. Like, yeah, they don't jump like really jump. In, order to, in order to get paid, you have to, and you stay on jump status, you have to jump once every three months. Sure. Yeah, keep it, and then you go in. There's like statuses where like your pay hurt, your pay loss, yeah, and all this yeah, stuff, and yeah, those yeah. People, like they they'll like mark you with like identifiers or like wrap tape. <laughs> you know, once we start bumping people off of this plane, we need the white straps up first. Cause they're <laughs> and I was fine getting straps because I was never pay hurt. I ain't never had to worry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, man, I met her. Um. So at that time, man, I was when I met her. What was I doing? So I was still in school, man. I had I had got a job at um, Foot Locker there in the mall in North Carolina. Therefore, Brad, I was working at the Foot Locker, um, and I was dating my wife, my girlfriend then, my wife now, and she got a position. She got an opportunity to go to the Pentagon uh, to work at the Pentagon in DC um, and work under um, what's the name was her boss. Fleming, General Fleming, oh, okay. yeah. um, and like I said, we were just boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. And uh, she's like, it's "Hey, I'm, I'm gotta, made there. I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta move." Um, I'm like, "Damn!" So I'm just thinking, like, I mean, that would be a great opportunity to get me out of North Carolina, yeah, see something different, and try to figure out what I can do in DC. Um, I couldn't get a regular job. I, nobody was going to give me a job with the type of offense that I had. Right. It was pretty, it was pretty serious, man. And, um, I couldn't get a regular job. So I really had no choice but to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, when I got to DC, we were look, I was looking at schools to go back to continue my architecture, but we were in the process of buying a house and I met our real estate agent. Um, he was another black guy, man. Well, dressed, really sharp dude, man. Pulled up in a nice BMW. Um, and he was actually one of the top agents in DC. Uh, it just happened that we just met this guy. It just happened that he was our real estate agent. The uh, thing that I appreciate about it, though, like you wouldn't have had the opportunity to have that chance happen had you not made the choice to make the move. Yeah. You know, like, oh, well. I'm in school. I'm getting yep. a degree. I've got a job. Like the bills are getting paid. Yep. I don't want to. I don't want to roll the dice and risk it. But because you made the choice, you put yourself in the opportunity for things like that to happen to you. Yep. So, like, I with every with every aspect or or component of luck that seems to come up in people's lives, like I always try to look at the decisions that led up to that lucky right, part. Right, right, right. Like you position yourself to be right, lucky. Right. 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 And you have to, man. You have to do that in life if you want to be. You can't, you, 
somebody can some people can be content with where they are, and that's totally fine. If they're if they're if they're comfortable where it, that's totally fine. I'm never that guy, not saying that I'm not thankful for the things that I have, but I'm very thankful. Yeah. I'm always thinking of man, how can I be better? How can I be yeah. more? And that's what I tell, that's what I say almost every show now, like when I'm having these conversations and I'm like, listen, if you're the guy who enjoys your nine to five and you want to, you want to cut and go fishing at four 30, you want to leave early on Friday to go fishing and spend three hours on the lake, dude, more power to you. This show is not for you. Like, you're like, like there are plenty of podcasts out there. If you want to listen to it, go rock out to some Leonard Skinner, man, and do your thing. Like we're here to bring these stories to show that people can overcome these obstacles that in the face of it, based on the decisions that you make, you can overcome it and real success is possible by real people that have, I mean, the idea of overcoming a discharge of that type from the military can be overwhelming to the point where you become dependent upon a social welfare program. And you did it the exact way that it was intended, that it was built for It's Like, Hey, this is to keep you on your feet and not to let you go homeless and defend right. you while you get yourself set up for the next thing. And that's exactly what you did. And that's right. beautiful. Right. Don't even, don't, don't, don't. And it, trust me, it was, it was damn near embarrassing to be honest with you, to be yeah. in the unemployment office, to be thinking about getting unemployment, man. It was really fucking embarrassing. Yeah. Um, however, at that point, it didn't fucking matter. Right. I had to figure the fuck out. I had a kid, like, this is the thing that you that you guys got to do, and I put myself in the position to be in that position. I did the things that I got. I yeah, know. exactly, and that's the personal responsibility aspect yeah, of it. Man. You got to take responsibility that as a man you can't cry about it. Now you got to figure out what's the next move because you you did that. Yeah. Um, so, but then you're there, you're in DC, and you're looking at homes, and you see you see a guy roll up in a nice BMW. Who's looks like he's kind of owning it, you know? Right, owning it, yeah. So, did you guys immediately, like during the showing of the house, start talking about real estate, or how did that go down? Immediately, man. I mean, when he pulled up, he was like, uh, I mean, we just immediately connected and, you know, we introduced each other. Uh, he showed us a couple houses, and I said, listen, man, you know, I'm in, um, in transition right now. I'm, I'm going to school for architecture, but I mean, I really like what you're doing right now. I like this process. I mean, I've always wanted to be a person where I get up every morning, put suits on. I always wanted to be a business person. To be yes. I said the military was a, 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 a stepping stone or, or it catapulted me into the position I'm in now. I will never, ever say anything bad about the military, man. Right. Really, I will preach it to everybody that I possibly can. Man. You, if you got three or four years where you're just sitting at home, Twitter your thumbs, don't know what to do next, bro, go to the military. It's it really changes unfair. everything from your – it gives you real hands-on experience, even if it's not in something like for for us and, and the job that we had, at least to, to start out, those things don't translate to the outside. It's uh, not like, I'm going to go uh, be a short-range stinger missile air defense guy <laughs> from Halliburton, you know? Like, uh, nope, right, that's right. not a thing. Right. <laughs> but it's the things that you learned while doing that job, meeting the Mac, meeting the other people. Like, it's the other thing that you got to kind of – Yep. And that's learn. exactly it. It's, it's, again, it goes back to just like you, what we were talking about. It comes back to choices. Like, the yeah. choice that you make, are you choosing to network? Are you choosing right, to pay attention right. 
to how the operations are being run, even when you're not responsible for running them. And you figure out what it takes. You're like, I, okay, I understand how to organize like a large operation. Like it takes these categories of things that you have to take into consideration. You have to figure out how to delegate responsibilities and like, okay, who can I lean on? Who knows what they're doing and everything. And like, there's, there is so much there for every single position if you're paying attention and if you choose to capitalize on it. It teaches you to be whatever you want to be when you get out because there's so many different things to learn from in the military. man. like you said, all every skill that you just named, it teaches you how to be that businessman. It teaches you how to run shit. It teaches you how to go into a huge company and be a, a, a boss or a leader. Or something. I mean, that's what the military teaches you. And this this agent happened to be an army. I mean, it happened to be an Air Force um, veteran as well. So oh, we connected that's on, awesome. on the veteran side as well. Yep. Um, yeah, we immediately started talking about real estate, man. Um, and at that time, my wife and I, Found a house, we got a house under contract. Uh, the house is actually being built. So we found a house in the middle, in the middle of it being built, probably about 30 days out. Um, so we were staying in the hotel. We're, oh my God, it's horrible. So we stayed in this hotel for 30 days. And I text the guy and I said, hey man, you know, send me the information I need to get a real estate license. He's like, okay, so he sent it to me. Um, the next day I texted him back, he's like, all right, I'm going to the school. He was like, okay, when are you going? I'm like, I'm going tomorrow. I start tomorrow. No, no, like I'm going right now. (laughs) You're really on. I'm going to start tomorrow. Um, And that was my job, man. I was going to class every day from nine to five. And when you do it like that, it only takes you about two weeks to to, to finish the course. Oh, wow. It's very quick if you go face-to-face and you do it nine to five every day. You can do it online. You can do it at your own pace. I didn't have that time. Yeah. so I took, I took, went face to face, did the class. So you did that, you did that while you guys were staying at the hotel? Yes, bro. <laughs> Every day I was getting up That's going. It, that was my job. That's the I personal felt- responsibility. That's the choices like that you choose, like, like, and you could have justified 15 different ways. Like, oh, okay, I'll just wait till we get in the house. Okay, I'll wait till we get right. my daughter in school or in daycare and make sure we get everything all set up. Like, nope, I'm going. This, I'm right. making a choice and I'm right. taking action today. That's right. beautiful. And I felt like, for me, I felt I felt like a bum, right? I felt I felt bad that my wife was the breadwinner, you know. Yeah. I felt bad that she was basically, you know, having to take care of everything while I was jobless trying to figure it out. So I didn't have time to just be sitting there on my ass. I needed to figure it out, so I had to make that decision to do it. And so it was two weeks. How did you feel when you got done with the school? Like what was your confidence level in going out and starting to sling homes to people? Oh, this is the thing, man. This is so crazy because it goes back to you saying making putting yourself in position to be successful. In that class, bro, this is so crazy. In that class, I was in that class with maybe maybe 20 other people, right? One particular person who became my mentor, who became like, uh, I would damn almost like a father figure to me. I call this guy right now and we'll have a three hour conversation if I need to. He was in this, this guy was in the class as well, getting his real estate license. He's a big real estate investor, um, but he never had a real estate license. So he wanted to go to school and get his real estate license. I met this guy in the real estate class and we just connected like, like, Immediately, day one, we connected. 
So when we got out of the class, him and I actually went into business together. We partnered up, made, uh, uh, made it. He had never sold real estate as an agent. So it kind of was a learning curve for yeah, both of us. Absolutely. But he knew the DC market. He knew people. He knew how to network. I mean, it's, everybody knew this guy. So it was a perfect guy to meet and to learn from. And this guy literally took me under his wing and taught me everything about business. I had never been a businessman. He taught me how to be a businessman. He taught me how to run a business. He just taught me everything that I needed to know to be successful. So the, I would say when we got out of school and started selling real estate, man, it really went better than the normal person who just gets out of school, don't know anybody, don't have anybody to partner with, and really just trying to figure it out. It, was, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was easy. However, it was a little bit easier for me because I knew this person right. really helping me and mentoring me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you made, again, like you wouldn't have been in that class had you not made the choice to get to, to take action right then. If you would have procrastinated one minute, one day, that's when you never would have met him. The entire scope of your life's journey would be different by that yeah. one choice. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. What I've seen you post listings that you've, that you've sold that are mm -hmm. like in excess of like million dollar homes. Yeah. Like, like, on a, what seems like a somewhat regular basis. <laughs> and, uh, and so when you got out and you guys partnered up and you started doing your thing, how long was it before like you made your first sale? Oh man, when we got out, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I started, I started selling $80,000 houses, $60,000 houses. I would, I would almost say almost 30 days after we got out of school, we started selling because this guy understood business. So That's incredible. That is, you went, so like, so I'm, I'm putting this, I'm trying to put the frame on like the bigger picture. Uh, so the time frame from you working at Foot Locker, having been kicked out of the army, being on unemployment to flipping houses in DC, or not, I guess not flipping, but selling yeah, houses in uh, DC, uh, What's the what's the time frame there? I would say I would say all in. I would damn near say all in a year, man. All yeah. in a, all in a year's time for a, for a one hundred and eighty degree turn in your life, completely different direction. Going to school for something else, yeah. but not closing your mind off to the opportunities that are presenting themselves and popping up in your face. Yeah. That's one of the things that I talk about all the time. Is Success or opportunities never show up how you anticipate them. Yes. And if you have your blinders on and you're not paying attention, they're just blowing right by you. And so I think it's important to be intentional. And you, I mean, like every step of the way, you're, you're making choices and, and just taking positive action. I think that's, that's incredible. So for, for, oh, for me, it was, for me, it was, I, I wanted to be an architect. I always wanted to be an architect. All my life as a kid, I wanted to be an architect, right? Um, but real estate, I felt like it, I had to make a decision on that as well because moving to D.C. and driving around, and we all know D.C. is, they call it a DMV because it's D.C., Maryland, and Virginia all in one, right? Yeah. Uh, 
huge market, bro. I mean, yeah. tons of people. Like, where do you start? How you gonna, how you gonna start, man? Yeah, that's I'm. I'm asking myself, like, when you're talking, I'm like, dude, how do you even like? What do you? How do you even find homes, especially when you're going like independently? Like the science behind it. Like how does, how does that work? How do you find homes that people are putting for sale and how do you contact them and be like, Hey, I'll sell your house for you. Or do, I mean, do you work both ends of it where you are yeah. assisting people find the home and you're assisting mm -hmm. people sell the home? Okay. When I, when I started, when I started, we were doing everything man. and I was doing, we were doing the things that the other agents didn't want to do. Um, and what I say by that is we were going out and literally we would pick a neighborhood and we were knock on doors. We would go out and it'd be 90, 9,000 degrees outside and we're walking door to door knocking on doors and just trying to sell our services right trying to talk to these people that may possibly want to sell they may possibly want to buy a lot of other agents weren't doing that it was kind of frowned upon uh, they didn't want to do it but we did and it really helped our business to start and that's one of the, that's one one way to find a seller or a buyer and there's other ways you can pay for lists of people that are selling and things like that there's a, there's a lot of ways to figure it out who's selling and who's buying. Um, so we did that. We just hit the ground, man. We just, we just hit the ground working. We didn't waste no time. Day one. Um, so I worked with him on a team. We worked together on a team maybe for about, about a year and a half. Um, and then at that point, I kind of felt like I had reached the glass ceiling. That fast, I felt like I had reached the glass ceiling. I started selling eighty thousand dollars homes, say eighty thousand dollars homes, and then we went up to maybe about one hundred and fifty thousand. Worked our way up to three hundred thousand dollar market, five hundred thousand dollar market, seven hundred thousand dollar market. So we we're constantly working our way up, and it was it was going kind of fast. And the other agents that were around us were like. Damn, how are you guys doing this shit so fast? And you're brand new agents. Yeah. Um, so at that point, I kind of felt like I had reached the glass ceiling. And in real estate, as a real estate agent, you pick real estate agents are independent contractors. So you are legit your own business. You are legit your own boss. You pick your times and when you want to come to work. Uh, but you also got to understand whenever you go to work is whenever you make money. So if you want to sit at home all day on your ass, you're not going to. So we were, we were working it as a nine to five. We were getting up every morning, going into the office like it was a nine to five, yeah. knowing that it was our business to be there every day. Um, That's the right attitude. That's what I, what I hear from people that choose their own thing and, and to, to own their own financial destiny is that once you, once you become an entrepreneur, you're going to be, it's looking more like working a hundred hours a week Mm -hmm. So that I can pay myself versus working forty hours a week, so somebody can pay me. Doesn't pay me, yep, yep. And I'm, and I'm gonna make more money. I'm gonna make more money working my hundred hours than I would work with somebody else for forty hours. I'm gonna make way more money. Yeah. I make way more money now working forty hours by myself than I would work for somebody else for forty yep. hours. Um. So. As a real estate agent, like I said, you're an independent contractor and you have to go out and partner with these brokerages. And a brokerage, a brokerage is like a Keller Williams or a Century 21 or somebody like that. You go to those people and those brokers who are like over that brokerage, mm -hmm. they 
they want you to be a part of that brokerage as much as you want to be a part of that brokerage. So you're really interviewing them. You're oh, going to them and what can you offer me? What can you offer Mario Fox? Because yeah. if I come over here to Century 21, I'm bringing all of my clients with me. You want my clients. And at that point, brokerages are really looking at agents' sales production. They're looking at agents and how much are agents selling? What are these agents doing? How successful are they? How are they marketing themselves? All of that. So these brokerages are going to be reaching out to you, constantly trying, kind of like sports teams, man. They're constantly trying to trade you from your team that you're with right now and give you a bigger deal to come be a part of. So when you get picked up, are you dealing with like contracts the same way where you're doing like a three, five year contract with uh, Keller Williams or something like that? Or how does that work? Each company is different. Um, some of them may do just a one-year contract. Uh, some of them, so it, 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 it differs depending on what you want to negotiate. It's all up to what you can negotiate. Um, so we're Keller Williams. We could have got out of the contract, and we, we all knew that. Um, and I wanted to get into the hiring market. I wanted to sell a million-dollar home. And it was always a passion of mine when I got into real estate. So one of the biggest things I want to point out is when you do – Get into something. If you do, if you are going to start that business, always have goals. Always write the goals down so you can always go back and scale it. Um, but always see the bigger picture. Even day one, see the bigger picture. What are you? What is your big why? Why are you really doing this? Why? Are, why do you want to be? Why do you want to get in real estate? Why do you want to flip houses? Why do you want? Why do you want to own your own podcast? Yeah. All those things. You got to see the bigger picture so that you can go years down the road, you know? Exactly. Uh, so all, I knew day one getting into selling real estate, I wanted to sell high-end luxury real estate. But I knew that that Keller Williams, that brokerage that I was with, it didn't sell luxury real estate. And to the people in DC, Maryland, and Virginia, they really only recognized two brokerages as those higher-end brokerages that they would sell those multi-million dollar homes with. And those brokerages were the type of brokerages where you don't call them, they call you, right? So just think of them like the Golden State Warriors of the real estate world. Yeah. Right? Well, me being the person that I am, I'm not gonna wait on the call, I call them. I call this company called Sotheby's, and Sotheby's is one of the biggest um, luxury real estate brokerages in the world. It's called Sotheby's International Realty. They're everywhere, internationally, really. Um, so I called, I called one of the brokers one day. They have five offices between D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Um, and I was licensed in all D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. You had to be licensed in all three to sell in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia. And I was wondering about that, but like, especially being in that area, the, the complications that come with your ability to, to go across borders and sell real estate, like how that it does that impact your ability or your, your flexibility as an agent. Yeah. If you're not licensed, if you're only licensed in Maryland, you can't sell in Virginia, you can't sell in DC. Um, and for those, and for them to be so close together, it was crazy for you not to be licensed in all three. Oh yeah, absolutely. You cut yourself off at the knees. Yeah, you are. And those bigger higher end homes are going to be in DC and Virginia. Really? Yeah. Uh, so I called this company, um, I called Sotheby's, I spoke with the broker, and I said, listen, man, I know that you guys call people, and this is probably, you probably don't get this all the time. I've only been in the game for a year and a half. I know you get more seasoned agents. 
However, I'm very passionate about real estate mm-hmm. and I'm very passionate about your brand. So before I called this guy, I knew everything about this brand that I could possibly know. Yes. Everything, dude. I mean, researched it for, for months before I even went over there. I knew about this brand for years. Mm-hmm. I just never really thought that I, I would be a part of it. So the guy was like, you know what, man? Come in and sit down with me and, and, and let's meet. So I went in, man, and, and at this time, I didn't really have my first suit. Kind of going back to when we first started, I didn't have any suits. I had no yeah. suits, bro. My wife had to take me shopping to Burlington's and bought me a couple of suits that cost like $100 a piece. Right, right. Um, yeah. But by this time by this time that I'm meeting with this guy at Sotheby's, I had kind of made some money, so I had some better suits. Mm-hmm. I put on my best suit that I possibly could that day to meet with this guy. And I went in, I sat down with him. Um, and I just sold him on me. I sold him on how passionate I was about real estate, how passionate I was about helping people, and how passionate I was about their brand and why my brand would be good to partner with theirs. Right? That's what I was just going to say is that you you instilled faith in your brand when you were there, and that's uh, something that I think is super important. Everything uh, from the way that you look of picking that best suit to the way that you communicate with them and, and then your actual, because those are the first things that they're going to experience. And this is what you look like. And this is the way that you're communicating with me. Okay. And then if, if you pass those barriers, you know, uh, then, okay, what have you done? You You good. Yeah. What have you actually done in your personal history to, you know, for, for me to give you the time that you're requesting right now? Like, are you actually, or did you just start? Or did you sell your first home? Or are you actually out there putting the legwork in and getting it done? Right. And, and, and that, okay. So going, that's why I grabbed this. I don't know if you read this. The way of the wolf. I haven't, it's been brought to my attention. It's on my top list. In this book, Jordan talks about appearance. And he talks about the first seconds that you see somebody, you're automatically making a judgment on that person. Um, and like, like, I mean, just think about being in, in the convenience, just think about being in the grocery store and you, and you turn the corner on aisle, you're on aisle nine, you go on aisle 10 and you see a person, right? That you've never saw before. And you see them in the first three seconds. You're like, I mean, that person can be dressed ragged. You're automatically going to be like, man, that person is hurting, right? That person is, you're going to make all kinds of judgments about that person. Well, in this book, he says that that first three seconds is very critical. And you already make a judgment on that person. And in order for you to change your judgment on that person, you have to meet them at least seven times again. So at that point, after reading that, I'm like, well, damn, dude, how many people are you going to get the opportunity to meet seven more times yeah. to make them change the perception on you? Now, especially in the business world and you're trying to make that type of impression. If you, if you blow it from totally. street, you're, they're not going to get that opportunity. Totally. So, um, I've always been particular about my appearance. Always, always, always. Well, more so when I got into the business world. So like I said, I went and met with the guy, um, I had only been in the business like a year and a half. And after the meeting, he was like, listen, man, I'll be honest with you. We don't take agents that haven't been in the game at least three years. 
Yeah. We don't take agents that haven't sold a certain amount of uh, real estate, right? Yeah. Uh, consistently. Uh, he was like, however, you're different. <laughs> That's what he said. He's like, he's like, you're different, man. I can see how passionate you are about this. You really want to do this. And I think that your brand partners well with our brand. Yeah. We're willing to give you this opportunity. Dude, I was stoked. That is amazing. Like, and that's, God, I love it. I love those stories. Like, that's the stuff that gets me really pumped up is people that break that barrier that may even be somewhat of a real barrier. That's, it's, I have a whole thing, a whole shtick about barriers and obstacles in our lives and like what we, what we essentially allow those barriers to be and what we create ourselves as barriers that aren't really there. But then when there's real barriers like that, when they have like rules in place, it's still an obstacle. It's still a barrier. It's not something, it's not a wall. It's not an impenetrable wall. Like you can overcome because at the end of the day, a business wants somebody that's going to, going to promote them. That's going to help them expand and be better and do better at what, at what, at, at whatever it is industry they're in, in this case, obviously uh, selling homes. And so they get the feel from you. They're like, you know what? Like these rules exist for a reason, but like you don't fall in the category of people that we're trying to keep out. Right, right, right. There's no way that they would have known that or figured that out if you didn't make that call. But on the front end of that, if you didn't spend months, right? like all of this is work. It's not like, oh, he happened to catch him on a nice day. What, how lucky is Mario to be able to, to pull this off? Like, it's not luck. It's not <laughs> luck. It's work. It's like you, you spend and you invest all this time and energy and then you, you reap what you sow and you're, yeah. you're reaping fruit from a tree, yeah. you know? And yeah. that guy could have easily, that guy could have easily on the phone. He could have easily been like, yeah, you know, man, let me get back with you. Call me back on this day, this day, and then we'll set it up. I mean, could it easily shut it down right there? You know, probably. I wouldn't say I wouldn't be here where I am today, but I would have had to find another way. Exactly. To, to that point. And it probably would have discouraged me a little bit. And probably would have been like, know it. All right, maybe it's just not the time. Maybe I need to yeah. work more until I get to that, to that, to that goal and get there. Um, but they gave me the opportunity, man. Negotiated a really good deal. From that point forward, um, that guy that guy became a great friend. That broker became a great friend of mine. He awesome. he actually got the opportunity to go open his own Sotheby's office, which is also in Virginia. They promoted him and told him to, "Hey, we're going to give you your own office. Go run it." Um, and when he announced that, I immediately went to him after the meeting and said, "Hey." I'm going with you. I know you're going to open a new company. You're not going to have a lot of agents that's going with you. I'm going to be one of those agents that go with you. Because you gave me the opportunity to be here today. So I don't want to leave your side. I'm going to go with you to help you with your new endeavor as well. So me and that guy always remain friends, man. Um, and from that day forward, that's when I penetrated the luxury market like yeah. crazy. I mean, after that, after having that brand. Yep attached to my brand it just made it so much easier to people and i mean we were servicing people it's crazy man. we were servicing people that like basketball owners sport team owners uh act, act, actors uh, 
music artists. We're talking about $50 million homes, $30 million homes, $20 million homes. There was no, there was no ceiling at this company. You're selling whatever millions it is, you're going to be selling it, bro. And they're going to come to us first. So just to be in that opportunity for me, it was to be in a room with those people that were way smarter than me. Mm-hmm. More, you could not put a dollar amount on that. The money didn't even matter. When I got into real estate, I never got into real estate for the money. And that's where a lot of people fail when they go into business. They want to find things. What's going to make me money, man? How can I make money quick? And I got a lot of people that call me or come up to me and say, man, what can I do to start making money? Well, first of all, you're going into it in the wrong, the wrong mindset because if you're passionate about something, you're going to know that you're not going to be making no money off the rip. Yeah. Making no money right now, man. But if you're passionate about it, you're going to continue to work on it and you're going to go, you're going to work through the obstacles. obstacles. Nothing is going to make you quit if you're really passionate about it. So the first thing is find something that you're passionate about and go after that. Um, damn, I forgot what I was saying. So we were, we were, um, Selling these homes, man. And like I said, I was in the room with people that were way smarter than me. That yeah. was way more real estate than me, bro. I'm talking about we had teams that were selling $100 million of real estate a year, which is insane, bro. That is, that is insane. Insane. <laughs> so to be there and to be amongst those people and to be learning from them. And I was the first black agent in that office. And nobody looked at me like I was the first black agent, right? People looked at me like, I mean, nobody knew my, nobody knew how I got in the company. So right. everybody kind of knew like, shit, he had to be doing something to be over exactly. here. Exactly. So we ain't gonna look at the guy no other different. He's selling real estate. We're gonna take him in. We're gonna teach him everything we know. Cause he is a part of our brand too. And he represents us as well. So nobody looked at it like that, man. They took me in. They, they, they really taught me, bro. And I met some really, really, really good people that are, always lifelong brothers and friends. And so those people were all working at that same office that, that you were in. That's, that was the group that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, and that it's crazy because it's almost like that company creates like mastermind groups. Like you yeah. will do it with business and like, Oh, join this mastermind group and pay $5,000 for this two day course or whatever. Right. $2,000 for this, this week long course. And you're working in a mastermind group. You're getting paid <laughs> to be there with people that have the skills and have been down the road, especially in the luxury market. Yes. And, and then, so your opportunity, like in the way that you take action on things, I'm like, this is like a gold field for you. Like, okay, let's do it, man. And so you just, so you did. So what was, the, uh, what's the story behind your first, f- uh, six figure sale? <laughs> Oh, so my first, so my first six-figure sale, man. Okay, it's it's a crazy story. It's a really good story too, man. What? Now that you got me talking about this stuff, these are things that I forgot. Yeah, I really forgot the things that you don't think about all every day. Now, now when you get to where you're going, you kind of forget about these things. So, thank you for bringing it back. Absolutely. Um, it's awesome to hear, man, especially seeing and having worked with you in the army and seeing you right now. Like I've always loved following you along with your story. And I'm like, dude, I'm so, I'm so happy for you. It's, it's out of this world. Like I, I seeing people get to this level of success that have served, uh, you, you constantly hear about the, the homeless veterans and everything. Yeah. And it's like, so to watch somebody 
overcome those obstacles and reach high levels of success it's inspiring and so i like even even if this is like a just for vets show you know what i mean like like that is enough for me because it, uh, it's possible, you know, with your choices. Like your story is, is amazing. Please, please. Somebody could be going through the same thing that I'm going through. So this is this perfect podcast, bro. Um, my first, okay, so I do got to go back because my first million dollar listing, I was with Keller Williams. I was still with Keller Williams. Okay. And I just happened to get this guy from cold calling. Um. And he was about to go through a foreclosure with the house. The bank was about to take the house. And at that point, he was kind of just like, man, I got to get it sold. So he, he ended up listening with me. However, let me tell you about that, though. I called the guy, Cole called the guy, man. And the guy was like, you know what? Come see me. Let's talk about it. Um, so I researched the guy. I researched everything if I, possibly, if I can. And I researched the guy. I pulled him up. And when you're talking about multi-million dollar homes, Nine times out of ten, you're going to be able to research these people because these are people that are doing something in the world. That makes these sense. Are, are, you're going to find them. Yep. Um, so I was able to find the guy, read up on the guy, and I learned that the guy was a stockbroker. Another thing that I've always been intrigued with, right? Yeah. I also found out that the guy was Asian. So my wife is Asian. My wife is Korean. Um, so just sitting and talking to her, uh, and, and learning things from her. I learned a lot about the Asian culture. Um, and I pinpoint, pinpointed his ethnicity and he was Chinese. So going back to appearance, yep. knowing that appearance is everything. And in the real estate world, I, w- I wouldn't even just say in the real estate world, in the sales world, yeah. people like to buy things from people that they like. They yes. like to buy things from people that they feel like they have some similarities to, right? Um, so I knew that red is, I, I don't want to say every Asian, but Asians really like red. They like the color red because it represents um, um, basically good faith. It represents uh, uh, um, good, basically. Okay. So when I went, I had a gray suit. I'll never forget, I had, a gray, I had my gray suit on. I wore red tie and I wore red pocket square and some red socks because you're not gonna wear, you're not gonna wear shoes in their house. Yeah. Uh, you're taking your shoes off. So when I walked up to the door, knocked on the door, the guy opened the door and you could tell that he noticed it. Like he saw the colors and was like, okay. Shook yeah. my hand, we came in. I mean, we automatically clicked, man. Uh, we talked about the house, walked around the house, he showed me everything about the house. Well, in his neighborhood, it's only about 11 houses in his neighborhood. Every one of them is over like 2 million easily. Um, and I told the guy, I said, listen, he had the house on the market with somebody else and it didn't sell. Um, I said, listen, if I sell this house and we came up with a record time, I was like, if I can sell your house in 30 days, you have to teach me the stock market. I'm, bro, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, yes. you, gotta, you gotta teach me how to trade. And uh, the guy was like, okay. He's an older guy, man. And I know that older people love younger people that are out doing shit. That are yes. out trying to be successful. They love that shit, bro. They love to be mentors to younger people like us. So he saw it as a challenge. Like, okay, challenge accepted. He's like, seven to 30 days and I'll teach you. 
okay, put the house on the market, sold it in 10 days. Oh um, my God. So he, he had no choice. <laughs> he had no choice but to teach me now. We, we um, shook hands, man. You owe me. <laughs> yep, yep. And he kept his word. So in the midst of me listing his house, I listed his house. And I put a Keller Williams sign out front, one of my Keller Williams signs. So I listed the guy's house. I got the house under contract. I went and door knocked in his neighborhood. I wanted to introduce myself to the people and say, hey, I was a guy that just sold the house down the street in 10 days. Are you thinking about selling your house? Everybody said no. There was one particular house in this neighborhood. Man. It's so crazy, bro. There's one particular house in this neighborhood. And I did research on it, and I knew that the guy had inherited the house from his grandparents. But this guy was wealthy, too, younger guy. At that point, he probably was about 37 years old. I was only like 28, 29, um, 28, I would say. So I went door knocking. This particular house, I really wanted this listing because it was one of the, it was like the second best house in the neighborhood. I mean, lake, bro, swimming pool. Seven car garage. The guy had Ferrari. He was a car collector, so he had Ferraris and everything in the garage. It was perfect. Mm -hmm. um, so I went and knocked on this guy's door when I got this house, this first house on the contract. And the guy was like, "Yeah, no, you know, I'm not thinking about selling, man. Um, you know, nah, not really, man. But thanks for coming." I was like, "Okay." Ended up closing, closing on it on the first house. Sold that first house. Um, in the meantime, I transitioned over to Sotheby's, to the luxury real estate market, uh, real estate brokerage. Well, with that being said, I had to change out my Keller Williams sign. So I took my Keller Williams sign and really discarded it because I didn't need it anymore. And I got a Sotheby's sign installed. That dude called me, that guy that I door knocked on, he called me the next day and was like, hey, can you come back and meet me at my house again? <laughs> <laughs> if anybody thinks that branding doesn't matter, then like case in point right now, the phone call the next day. <laughs> next day, bro. And I was like, damn, I couldn't think, I didn't know what it was that made him change his mind until I got to the house and met him and his wife at that point. He's like, well, man, listen, let me tell you something. I'll be honest with you. When you walked up to my door and knocked on the door, you reminded me of me. He said, to see you hustling like you were hustling, and walking around, I mean, think about it, man. These houses, we're talking about 12, 13,000 square foot houses. The driveways are long as shit. So I had to walk down these long ass driveways. <laughs> so that guy was like, man, for you to walk down that long ass driveway and then knock on my door, to have the, to have the courage to knock on my door, yep. asking about selling my $2 million house, he's like, it was crazy, man. He's like, but I just couldn't go with the Keller Williams brand. Yeah. Like, you change that sign. At that point, it made sense with me because he's like, I really like you as a person. I just didn't like that brand. They don't sell luxury real estate. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't want my house to be associated with that brand. That's so, incredible. That if you changed that sign and went to that brokerage, at that point, you were the perfect guy for me. So he gave me a tour of the house, man. He's like, I really, I do really want to sell. I don't have to sell, but I would love to sell because it wasn't my house. My wife would love to have a house of our own that we can build from the ground up. Um, he's like, so, I mean, let's think of a price. And if you think you can sell it at that price, let's do it. So we came up with a price of like $2.3 million. Um, I listed that guy's house. And at that point in that city, 
where we were, that was a record-breaking sale if we were able to get it to sell. Um, and I ended up with that house. I ended up meeting a young doctor uh, who was also another CEO who was running her own company. She uh, got a huge government contract, huge medical government contracts. The lady was a millionaire, single, single lady by herself, millionaire. And I was able to get her to come look at the house. She called me because uh, she saw the house online. She called me and wanted to go see it. And I was able to get that house under contract with her representing both sides. So in the real estate world, if you can represent both sides of a deal, you're making bank. Like you're making way more money by representing the seller and the buyer. So I was able to represent the seller and the buyer on a $2 million deal, which really um, added up to a $4 million deal. Right. Yep. It added up to a four million dollar deal, so you get you get a commission out on a four million dollar deal versus a two million dollar deal if you were just representing the seller. Man, that catapulted my business, and the people in the office were like, "How the fuck? <laughs> How did you do that? Like, you haven't even been in the company a month. You haven't even been here two yeah. weeks, and you're like, this is crazy, but." Every, everybody wasn't like that because once again, they felt like, well, in order for you to build this company, you had to do something, right? Um, but the people that I was really close with kind of knew the story. Yeah. Knew my background. So they were really like, damn, dude, that's crazy. That's, that's, that's a cool ass story. So that's kind of how I got into the luxury market. And that guy did teach me, that first million dollar house that guy did teach me how to be. He taught me how to trade, man. He literally was our trader the guy that i partnered with in the beginning when i first started real estate remember that guy when i first yep. in real estate school that myself and that guy uh partnered with this other guy and he taught us both how to um trade stocks how to be day trades he's a day trader really oh, okay gotcha um, yep. so he taught us that man so just being in that putting myself in that position put me in front of different people yeah, uh, it's gonna put you in front of. It's gonna put you in front of CEOs. It's gonna put you in front of people that are out doing things that can teach you different things and really mentor you. And every person that I met in that luxury market has taught me something. Every person that's been a mentor to me, because every one of them were older than me, but every one of them didn't look at me like I was the younger guy because I always was the my appearance. So even though even these millionaires that are selling these million dollar homes always call me Mr. Fox, Mr. Fox, Mr. Fox. And that's how they respected me because they saw that I respected myself and I carried myself in, in, Absolutely. in the way. So nobody ever disrespected me as the young kid that's trying to figure it out. Mm. Everybody looked at me as the young professional that has it, that he is trying to figure it out. However, we're going to help this guy figure it out because he's trying to figure it out. It's a bunch of kids his age right now that ain't doing shit that ain't trying to figure it out. Yeah. To be honest with you, man, the mil- being a veteran really helped those situations. It really helped those stories because people love veterans and they love to get yeah. veterans opportunities. So at that point, it was like, damn, they're no brainer for those people. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a. Uh... That's it's incredible because like they you 
it, I mean, all your story, it just, it makes so much sense over, over the period of time because people are going to respond positively. When you show up, like you said, you, you force that judgment in a positive direction. Uh, right. And like, so right off the bat, you're already, you're walking into a room full of, you know, millionaires, people pushing million, $10 million houses. Uh, and you, you're presenting yourself as just like you said, I, I love the phrase that you said that you respected yourself uh, and you went in presenting yourself that way and with the confidence to do so, but also with the inquisitive mind, the inquisitive nature to like, I want to learn, I want to expand my knowledge. Uh, I want to, I want to uh, be better, you know? And then uh, even to the point of the, the guy whose house that you walked up to, he's like, shit, I recognize game. You know what I mean? Like, right, 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 right. like that's respect. Like the fact right. that you, you had the balls to walk up to my door in my multi-million dollar house and ask me if I want to sell it. And we've never met before. Okay. Right. Okay. And, and, the- and at that point he had never engaged the agent about selling his house. He never, he was like, man, to be honest with you, before you knocked on my door, I really just never, we never thought about selling the house. And That's now we're really thinking about it. was literally just sitting there waiting to be tapped that no one would have found out about. And maybe he wouldn't have even engaged for another several years in selling yeah. it. And then, and then also just the value that you're then providing to him in his life. Cause that probably spurred the action. Cause like, you know what? Let's start looking at, you know, getting this house designed, the one that we actually want to live in. Aye, aye. The wheels are now spinning. So it's not like you're out there taking advantage of people. You're like you're aye. providing value in this great service. Aye. So you're doing all these amazing things. You're in Washington, DC. How long were you? Uh, Cause you're not there anymore. And so oh. I kind of want to look at that, the transition mm-hmm. story, because that like as inspiring as everything is up into this point, like we did a little talk right before we started recording and I was like, bro, like you're my hero. <laughs> 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 like your, your outlook on life and your, your willingness to take action towards it is so admirable. I absolutely love mm-hmm. it. And so what, how did the, the transition? So your, your wife was still in the military. She's working at the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. Um, how did how did this transition from DC go? What kind of so? One of my a guy that I knew back home here in Louisiana called me one day and he's like, "Hey man, like," and he's always following me on social media as well. And he said, "Hey man, I just this guy was a real estate agent as well. He's been in, he's been in real estate way he's been in real estate longer than me. He's been in about fourteen years now. Uh, I've only been in five years now." Um, he called me one day and I'll never forget it because I was sitting in another one of my million dollar homes that I was having an open house that day. And he called me and um, he's just like, man, you're doing great. You're doing good things, man. I love it. However, I'm going to give you an opportunity. And he was like, Hey, I got an opportunity to start a real estate company here back home with some guys that are home builders um, and land developers. And in the real estate world, as a real estate agent, one of your biggest goals is to find that, that builder. If you can find a guy that's building hundreds of homes a week, dude, it makes your job so much easier. Not, not a week, hundreds of homes a year. It makes your job so much easier because you always have inventory. You always got business. You always have business, man. You always have business. So that's the ultimate goal for a real estate agent. And this guy calls and says, hey, I got this builder that's, that's building hundreds of homes a year. He wants to start his own real estate company now. 
but he needs, in order for you to start a real estate company, you got to have a broker. Um, you got to have a managing broker, basically. And, and the guy was calling him and saying, hey, you know, he needs brokers. He wants to open this real estate company. He needs brokers. I'm calling you because I see what you're doing. I know you. You're, you. I mean, you're from here. We know each other. Do you think you'll move back and help me run this real estate company? <sighs> Damn, let me think about it because I'm finally getting to the point now to where like I'm in this market that I want to be in. I'm selling yeah. these high-end homes. I mean, we're good. My wife's at the Pentagon. Ever my wife was coming up on a time to where you know how the military is, where it was that time where she needed to make a decision that she was going to stay or she's going to leave. Yeah. Uh, so I quickly brought it up to her, and we talked about it, um, and we finally came to the conclusion that, okay, let's do it. So we did it. How, like, so what – what were what were her thoughts about it? You know about moving to Louisiana, and you guys had had you already and you had your uh, second child, right? Yeah, by that time we had had our second child, um, and so uprooting from where you guys have lived for several years at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What? How did how did you convince her? <laughs> it really wasn't hard. I brought her home before we made the decision. I brought her to Louisiana. Oh, okay. So she, she had been. She had been. She, she had been Louisiana before. She knew okay. my parents. She knew. She'd been here before, so it wasn't a hard decision for her to make. She okay. actually liked. It. She actually liked the fact that we would be close to family. We didn't have any family in DC. Yeah, so that's so huge. hard. That's hard. It was difficult when you want to go out just a night on the town with you and your wife, finding a babysitter, doing all of that. It was, yeah. it was difficult. So moving back home, it's like, okay, now we got that support. We can just, yeah. you know, that that family. My kids can be with their grandparents. Like, this is perfect, right? Um, so it wasn't hard to convince her, man. Honestly, yeah, I think yeah. the convincing was harder on my part. He had to convince me more to want to move. Yeah, I mean, more. to leave that that the opportunity that you had kind of busted your ass to get into and convinced uh, people and, and worked and hoofed it, you know, uh, to be like, okay, well, I'm out. <laughs> uh, but this is what my mentor always taught me. The, the, the guy that taught me everything about business, he always taught me. He said, listen, if you're always doing good and you're always progressing in life, you're one day you're going to get that knock at your door or you're going to get that tap on your shoulder that's going to catapult you into another stratosphere that you never thought you would ever be in. And I always remember that. And when that guy brought that opportunity to me, I felt like that was the tap on the shoulder. I felt like that was the tap on the shoulder to get me out of the everyday hustle and bustle of selling real estate. Mm-hmm. And to be more so in the managing role of a real estate corporation. Right. So at that point, it was the bigger, it was the seeing the bigger picture at that point. Yep. Stop seeing the picture as just being a real estate agent. Now I see the picture as a COO of a real estate brokerage that's selling millions of dollars in real estate a year. You can do that. So when he brought that to my attention, I was like, damn, this is damn near no brainer, right? Yeah. Um, so I made the decision and, and we moved and that was a year and a half ago. Ooh, and so you've been the, you've been the chief operations officer for this new real estate, uh, brokerage brokerage. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
So how, and so were you there when it like got off the ground or did you kind of already have things running? I was here. I was here when we started from day one. Uh, it was me, my partner, and of course the owners, uh, but in the, just real estate wise, real estate salesperson, real estate agent wise, it was me, myself, I mean myself, my partner, and two other agents. So we started off with four agents. And so you're still out there on the streets. You're still hustling and, and having those conversations and selling homes. At that point, yeah, um, I was. I was hustling. I mean, so I didn't have to hustle that much because, I mean, we had a guy that was building homes. Right. So hustle was kind of taken away from me. I'm still still hiring homes. And what hiring in Louisiana looks like is different from hiring in D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm still in our, I'm still in the in the realm of selling higher, hiring homes here in Louisiana because that's what those guys build. Um, but it was easier at that point. And it eventually got to a point to where it was like, okay, we kind of want you to, to pull back from the everyday hustle bus of selling. We want to grow the company now. We need to grow the company now. So at that point, I kind of had to get into a recruiting mode to where I'm recruiting agents now to our brokerage uh why and, and at this point it's, it's almost the same thing to where i'm having to go out and meet with these agents and sell them on now i'm in the role yeah of where i'm on the other side of the table yeah. from when i was sitting with that guy at Sotheby. it's kind of like like you were talking about how you were interviewing brokerages like you're getting interviewed now by real estate agents and it's it is a mutual interview back and forth like are you are they a good fit for you are you a good fit for uh, them um, that's really awesome that you've right. been able to sit on both sides of that desk. Right. So that kind of, is that where uh, the most of your responsibilities lie now is in expanding the, the agents that you guys have, adding more people to the team? Yeah. So, um, and I've streamlined that process and made it easier for me, of course. Of course. Would. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we started with four agents a year and a half ago with one location um, <clears throat> in that first year of real estate, we sold, yeah, I want to say about 15 million in real estate, which was, which was okay. That was decent. Um, right now we have 33 agents. We have, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't have my, I left my key at home. I know. I know. I'm glad you did too. I know. You want to leave me a key? Yeah. Oh, thank you. I have great people here. <laughs> I left my office key home. Everybody's gone. <laughs> um, Dan, what was I saying? Um, you the you had expanded to 33 agents. All right, so we got 30, 33 agents right now. Um, five locations. Thank you so much. Okay, I'll be here early anyway. Um, Five locations, 33 agents. Um, you ain't got to lock it, that's fine. Ain't nobody gonna kill me. Um, <laughs> 33 agents, five locations, and we're spread out in Louisiana. Um, right now, we've sold over 40 million in real estate. Jeez. <laughs> no, we that's, that's a hell of a, so that's that's total in the, the year and a half that you've been doing it? No, 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 that's, that's this year. This year. So the first year was 15. Yeah. And then you bumped it. The first year was, it kind of was a watch because we started so, we started so late in the year. Um, oh, I got you. It was a watch. 
Um, so from January into now, we sold over 40 million um, in real estate. And we're constantly growing, man. We're constantly growing. So all those agents now, so now I've taken my, I put myself in a position to where I'm getting residual checks from all 30 agents, right? So now the hustle and bustle of selling real estate is really no longer there. Now I focus more on growing the corporation and growing those agents so I can make money in my sleep. That's beautiful. I love right. it. I love it. So um, we, we talked about some of the barriers uh, that you saw kind of to your entry into it. And basically like you, you walk around and you see the real estate agents and you're not seeing a lot of black people from the black community stepping up and, and making themselves a big name. So what did you have to deal with? And it sounded like you've kind of were able to overcome a lot of that. Was that, were you faced with any obstacles in that regard? No, because I mean, this is my hometown. Um, even though I've been gone for 10 years, a lot of people didn't know me when I moved back. Right. But a lot of people still knew me, right? And a lot of people were following me on social media. So they knew what I was doing. They knew what type of person I was. Yeah. They knew I was trying to do good. So coming back home, I would say that it helped. A lot of people didn't understand why I would move back home. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did help. And a lot of older people kind of look at me as that guy. Like they look at me like, hey, we need you to continue on this path because you just don't understand how many people you're inspiring in the black community to do something different. When I was younger, growing up here, the only people that I could look up to, it's crazy, but the only people that I could look up to was the drug dealers because those were the guys that had the nice cars, the nice clothes, the nice, they had all the money, they, they had everything. It goes back to branding. It goes back to like they're branding themselves with these material successes in this way. And when that's what you see, I mean, and the other people are doing what, you know, they're, they're the ones doing the drugs. The majority of the people that you're seeing are in this, uh, this transaction, you know, like I'm looking at the people like, okay, these guys are successful. Look, he's got a new car. He's got some gold chains. He's always got the new shoes. You know what I mean? And like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You know, So you get to come in and present another way and put a real person behind it. Not like you can do whatever you want. Like, no, for real. Like, look, (laughs) (laughs) it's not to them. Now it's not cliche anymore. It's it's like, damn, like this guy, you can touch him, feel him. You can see him. This guy is really here doing something. And I, I don't take advantage of that, man. I don't, I don't, I mentor as many kids as I possibly can. Not even just kids, people. I still, I have people that's older than me that will come up to me and be like, man, how do you do it? Like, what are you, what is it, you know? Um, so to be in this position is very, I don't take it lightly. I don't take it for granted. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very serious with it because I know that people are watching me. I know that people are looking at what I'm doing and following what I'm doing the same way I was doing when I was, when I was here and I was young. Um, so just doing different things, I mean, not just making it all about real estate, being on the Chamber of Commerce. I'm, I'm a board director of the Chamber of Commerce. I try to be involved with things. I mean, I meet with the mayor. I talk to the mayor about making our city better, bringing industry here, like doing different things to make the city better. And that, 
That you got to do different things. Yeah, that partnership between the private and the public sector is it's so significant, you know, mm-hmm. because if as for me, I am a a low tax, low government intervention kind of guy. Like mm-hmm. I want you mostly out of my life as much as possible. <laughs> but in order to make that happen, like you have like the the private sector has to step up and and bring those functions that you want. Like I went to a city council meeting. It was actually like a, they're trying to figure out who's going to take a city council seat. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like a debate, but it was in, it was in for like a Hinesville, Georgia. There's this like town of like 10,000 people. <laughs> and, but there was one guy up there uh, who just kept saying the same thing. They were like, the first question they asked were like, who here wants, uh, their taxes increased and no one raised their hand. Like who here wants them decreased? And they're like, okay, everyone raised their hand. And then they're like, okay, what do we want to do about the homeless situation? Like, oh, we should build homes. Like, okay, what do you want to do about after kids, after school kids programs? We want 50 of them. They're like, right. and this one guy's like, do you guys understand how money works? Because right. <laughs> like- You want to lower the taxes, but you want all these things. Exactly. And they're like, the only way that we can do it is if we incentivize and motivate industry to come here and then for them to compete against each other. So that way it's actually price competitive for you. So it's the best service for the cheapest prices for the individual. And so the fact that you're actively engaged in that process, dude, like best friend from afar, I swear to God, (laughs) (laughs) the principles that I preach all the time. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, man. Cause we struggle. Our city struggles with industry. We have a huge uh, university here. And once our kids graduate, they go. They don't. I mean, they don't have any. They don't stay here, and it's hurting us because we're losing those dollars. We're lo- not even just the dollars. We're losing those people. We're losing those young-minded, progressive people that can stay here and make this city better. Yeah, there's not a lot of jobs. What's, what's the incentive for them to stay? You know, if the industry's not there and there's not an opportunity for them to to step up and make something of themselves locally. I mean, the big greatest minds are going to go to the big, great places. And it takes somebody of a certain heart and spirit to, to bring it back. Like you did, like you went and you made it big in a big place. Like you didn't, you weren't, you didn't hit it big in a small pond. You know, you you were a small fish in a very big pond and you, you grew and then you took that and you brought it home. And that, that is, that in and of itself is amazing. It's so important. Just like everyone was saying to you that for people to be able to see that tangibly yeah. in front of their face, yeah. there's actually, I'm, I'm working on something, uh, a personal project that kind of works in tandem with what I'm trying to do with the podcast. I'm going to talk to you about it after we get done recording okay. uh, to see if it'd be something that you'd be interested in. If I'm able to swing through Louisiana and we can, we can kind of okay. collaborate on something. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about it, but, uh, I guess we'll kind of get to the point of of wrapping things up. Um, Mm -hmm. The last thing that I usually ask people uh, is what does success look like for you? Mm -hmm. Like, so whether it be people you're helping or money or multiple aspects of things, like when it's all said and done and you look back and Mm -hmm. you, what needs to happen for you to be, to, to look back with like a smile on your face, like, yeah, man, I, I like, I did it. And what mm-hmm. is it? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a good question because I literally think about that all the time. And I also say that if any business person cannot answer that question, 
some they're, they're probably doing something wrong yeah. for me personally <clears throat> it's to leave a legacy and I know I know a lot of people say it but it's to leave a legacy for my kids man I, I mean I'm not second generation or third generation wealthy at all I wasn't left anything brother I had to figure it out so if I can leave that legacy for my kids that will that that's what success looks like for me it's not a car it's not a house it's not the money it's to be able to leave something for my kids when I leave this earth for them to say, damn, my daddy left that there for me. I don't have to go work for anybody else. He started this business. He left a business here. I can go work at that business if, if I want to. Right. Um, but just leaving a legacy for my, for my family, um, their kids and their kids. And just success to me also looks like being a good person, always doing right for people and right will be done to you. No, there is no doubt about it, man. If you do right to people, right is going to be done for you. They're going to love you. They're, you're going to always make money. You're going to always be successful, uh, but you got to be a good person, man. You got to do right. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. I, I really think that we're very like personalities and energies and actions that we take on every day are, they're, they're, they attract like energy. And so mm -hmm. if you're, if you're out there and you're, you're scamming and you're scheming, like mm -hmm. that's the type of stuff that you're going to be bringing into your life. Like you're going to make some short term gains and you're going to get some wins, uh, right, right, right. you know, but in the long term, as you're burning these bridges, like <laughs> you're, you're making, you're turning yourself into an Island, you know, yeah. and people are not going to want to mess around with you. And people so, want to burn. People want to burn bridges, and then want to ask you for your boat. They want to ask you exactly, <laughs> exactly. And it goes. It goes to. It's so funny because that, that someone was just talking to me about that with the name of the show because my the show's name is Burn Your Boats. Right, 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 right. So, and that's that's the that's the thing is I'm like, don't burn your bridges, burn your bro boats. It's like where right. my head is at. Like you want to maintain your connection with people and your networking and and the way that. It's not even, I don't even look at it as transactionally. Like I, I genuinely love people and you have to do me pretty serious wrong for me to cut you out. Right. But I, but I will, right. will absolutely remove those anchors from my life. Like if you're not there, like supporting me in some way, shape and form, even if it's emotionally, like mm -hmm. I, you're not going to have any significant part of my life, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, and I need to detach myself and that's what burn your boats is. I need to detach myself from the safety nets and from the things that are holding me back right. from pursuing the goals and the passions of the future. Right. So I don't need the boat. That's going to take me back home to the safe ground of where I was before. And right. for me, that's the military. Right. Right. Oh, right now my safety nets, the military. Right. And that's quite possibly quickly coming to an end. By the time that this airs, I probably won't be in the military anymore. <laughs> so we'll figure that out. But hey, man, I really appreciate it. This was an amazing conversation. I think that this is going to hit home for a lot of people that have come up in similar situations and, and just seeing those obstacles like in your face. Because like you said, somebody could be going through Similarly, even if it's not in the military, if they're going through, they just got fired from their job, they just got right. laid off. Right. That, I mean, it's it's hard to spur up that motivation to be like, I'm gonna go get it. Like that's not what I'm feeling right now, man. I want to burn everything down. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs>
Right. So I think that your story really does that. So thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy, very important man now. So hey. I, it's appreciated. Oh, if people, um, if people wanted to check you out and see kind of like what you have going on, and, and even if they're like real estate agents out there, like, dude, I want to mess around with Mario. Like, what's, go, what's going on with this, Mister Fox? I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, how would how would they get a hold of you? What's the name of your company and everything? So the name of our company is Rose Realty. That's R H O D E S. Realty. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can email me at Mario, Mario at RoseRealtyLA.com. Uh, find me on Facebook, Mario Fitzgerald Fox, which is my whole name. Uh, easy to find. That's really my only social media outlet. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, those, ways, those, those are the best ways to find me. Perfect. Awesome, man. Thanks again. All right. Thank you, man. Have a good day. That's it, everybody. That was the episode. Thank you so much for coming back. I really appreciate it um, that you come and support us every single week. And next one, next week, we have something super special coming up. Uh, it's actually a a person who helps to train those in the military become master resilience trainers. Her name's Jenna, and she does phenomenal work. And so I was trained by a person like her. A civilian that comes in that uh, specializes in this and is trained and, and teaches us military members how to train other military members, how to increase their resilience and to give them tools that will be helpful for them to be able to do so. So please come on by next next week and we will uh, we'll be happy to have you back. Thanks again, everyone. Appreciate you.